Welcome to ASAR Training and Response Podcast. This is episode two of the COVID-19 pandemic coverage. In this episode, Eric and Carla will discuss how COVID-19 is affecting animal control officers. Welcome back, everybody, to our episode number two of our special edition. We're working on COVID-19 questions. Joining me for this one is co-host Carla Lewis. Good morning, Carla. Good morning, Eric, and good morning to all of our listeners out there who are hopefully uh, in their homes, if they can be. And thank you, everybody, for suffering through episode one, where it was just me uh, rambling on aimlessly as usual. Uh, and, but obviously, uh, you're back for episode two, uh, which this one we're going to have a little bit more focus on, as promised. Uh, on episode one, I asked everybody to send in some questions, and and let's start to uh, dive down into some of the specialties. And, you know, we were talking about animal control officers, veterinarians, shelter partners, uh, and how they're dealing with some of their issues and bringing that to light. So today, um, we're waiting on a shelter piece to come from our federal partners on emergency animal shelter guidelines that are updated uh, from what's currently out on the CDC site. Now, what's currently on the CDC site for emergency animal sheltering was done several years ago. It is still good today, but I think the, what they're working on right now is, is cleaning that up a little bit to deal with the pandemic issues. So today, Carla and I are going to uh, tackle some of the animal control issues and uh, questions that we're receiving on top of some of the things that we're seeing that we want to bring clarification to. Uh, and Carla, you are an expert in this field as you currently are an animal control officer for Leewood, Kansas. What are you seeing on your end and how are you doing in your daily activities? Yeah, um, you know, things are, are, are quite frankly pretty odd. It's a, it's a weird environment. There's just a weird vibe in the city. There's some great stuff going on and then there's just, uh, you know, what in the world is this? So um, my city, we sat down and developed some common sense protocols for, you know, our police officers. I work under a police department and I know, you know, animal control officers across, you know, the United States have different, um, some work under police, some work under codes and some are private entities. So for my department, we work under the police department. So we followed a lot of the guidelines that, that they developed as far as, we're handling a lot of our calls over the phone if possible, things like barking dogs and, and general complaints, anything that we can handle from, you know, from the office, from the, you know, from the vehicle, we're doing that. We are upping all of our cleaning. We, you know, we disinfect everything in the truck every day. We maintain um, that social distancing uh, space of six feet whenever we do talk to somebody. And, you know, we just kind of try to, to, to stay safe and, and be a presence in the city. Um, you know, the one thing that we're seeing a lot is everyone is outside when the weather's nice and walking their animals, which is fantastic to see. So that's been one of the really great things. Um, and we also kind of, you know, jokingly talk about the increase in, you know, dog interactions that may be on a little bit on the negative side. So I have seen a little bit of increase in, in dog bites and, and those barking dog complaints. Yeah, and that, that brings up um, uh, some of the, the grounds for today's conversation is in this environment, we're starting to see a lot of different messaging out there. Uh, some of it uh, is 
is very vague or some of it is actually spelled out with certain intention, but yet you can read a lot more into it. And I think that's just the nature uh, in our business that when you look at the statement and it's, it says one thing, but yet it brings up 10 other questions that leads you another direction is we hope to at least bring some clarity uh, or at least bring some guidance today on if you are seeing statements, uh, what are the they look like and and what are they geared towards and one of them uh is uh, i think as we hear the new term i'm an essential job position uh is uh, we're seeing some statements of in order to protect our animal control officers in the public safety we're going to reduce some services and it's meant to limit person-to-person contact uh, and try to to you know keep that spatial distancing uh, and just reduce the amount of of places that an animal control officer would go day to day and mixing that up. Uh, some of the things that, that uh, we're looking at though with those statements is if if you are reducing services, does that imply that animal control officers are not essential services? And that is not where we want people to go. You know, obviously, uh, and Carla, you said it in, in the day to day, you're seeing activities increase on the outside where animals interact with each other, animals interact with other owners. Uh, and are you hearing from other animal officers that, you know, this reduction in service, if it's happening in their communities, is leading to other issues? Um, you know, we there have been some conversations about, you know, increasing in dog bites. I think that's the big one. And, you know, there's a, a you know, I, I hear some talk about animal control, control officers only handling what they would deem emergency calls, maybe not picking up those stray animals. And my concern with that is, you know, just like we see in disaster situations, if the professionals aren't there, if the trained people aren't there, then citizens are going to step in when it comes to animals and they're gonna step in and possibly be injured by a stray dog or a loose dog. And because people have a good heart and they don't wanna see anything happen to someone's pet or just any animal. And so my concern with reducing, you know, things that we would consider vital to, to safety, to public safety and animal safety is that then we're gonna get into situations where now we have a dog that has to be under a 10 day quarantine. Um, hopefully that can be done at home as it can be in a lot of jurisdictions, but then now are we taxing veterinarians and shelter staff who are already under a lot of um, increased regulations as far as people being in there. So these are all things I think that jurisdictions need to consider when they start reducing uh, those vital roles that animal control officers play. Great advice and and obviously you're seeing that from the field firsthand. Uh, you had some questions come in uh, online from some other agencies and, and animal control officers. Anything really stand out as, yeah, this conversation is still pretty hot that we should look at today? Yeah, I actually really, one of the questions that I thought was great, just my department, um, as well as I think many of them have been handing out um, PPE and in, in some of those cases, these are respirators, maybe it's just a N95 mask, gloves, glasses, and they just kind of hand them out and say, here's your PPE without any actual guidance or training as far as how these are supposed to fit, how to don and doff, these types of things. So maybe Eric, if you could go into, you know, maybe the specifics of using PPE properly. 
Yeah, let's let's take a look at the N95 mask, and we're going to try to get some documentation out there from the international uh, PPE community of saying if you have the surgical mask or if you just have a cloth mask or if you have an N95 respirator, um, what precautions can you be doing to either extend the life of that respirator or what are your expectations of using that mask in, in its protection? So let's take a look at the N95s are obviously the hot topic right now. Um, you can also get some P100s or some high efficiency masks. Well, you may not be able to get them, but if your agency has them, um, people are asking, should I be fit tested with this? And you guys coming from the animal control world, we've heard agencies that, hey, you're hired as an animal control officer. Here's a belt, here's a bite stick, here's a ticket book, and here's the keys to your truck, go to your job. And there's very little on the job training, let alone are they gonna take time to fit test you. And, and OSHA does not require a specific fit test for, for a loose fitting mask. Um, there should be an OSHA respiratory program uh, somewhere documented in the safety standards of, of your department um, where that respiratory protection program, uh, and, and this came out many years ago, um, whereas if you are issued an N95 mask, you should go through a fit testing where they take a, either a, a qualitative or quantitative approach of, of introducing a substance that you could either taste or smell if your mask was not working and sealed correctly on your face. Um, but in these types of days when, when people are just trying to get a hurry to get a mask on is they're not being fit tested uh, by their agencies are saying here's a little more protection. You should be doing seal checks if you are wearing N95 masks. Um, you should be doing seal checks yourself. And a seal check basically is go ahead and put the mask on or don the mask. And as you have the mask fit your face, make sure you adjust that nose piece properly and get it down. And you should be able to put your hands over the mask and blow gently. And that mask should be able to inflate a little bit or expand a little bit. And in, in the same aspect, a, a negative pressure test, you should be able to suck in or inhale a little bit and that mask should suck tighter to your face uh, for it to be uh, sealed correctly. If you have facial hair, that's not going to work. If you have... Uh, a really skinny face. Sometimes you have to pull it really tight and sometimes it, it's it's difficult to get that on. And it's funny, I just made a mask with my hand and covered my microphone. I'm like, stop <laughs> putting your hand in front of the microphone. Crimity. You're also not supposed to be touching your face right now. <laughs> right? Well, I didn't actually touch my face with it, but, uh, but, but here's the deal. If you look at the international standards on, on PPE, if you're outside keeping your six foot distance, your mask is is not doing anything anyway is that it's only when you're really in close quarters is that mask doing a lot now conversely if you're sick the mask is doing a lot because it's containing everything inside the mask instead of laying it out uh the rest of the mask the surgical mask the the cloth mask obviously there's a uh, a degradation there. The cloth masks aren't going to stop as much as a surgical mask, but it does keep you from touching your face. It does stop some particles um, from getting in, but you know, the biggest thing in the social distancing. So if you can keep that six foot, don't feel like you have to keep that six foot and a mask, um, but definitely putting something on your face or, or if you're out and about to remind yourself not to, not to touch your face uh, is definitely the way to go. 
Uh, but, you know, have that conversation with your agency, with your employer, of if you were handed an N95 mask to say, hey, is there a safety officer that can go through a quick seal check with me to, to just double check that you are doing it right and that the, if you are having fit issues, maybe there's a different type of mask you can use or a, or a different way to keep you safe rather than relying on that mask. Yeah, I think the same goes for, you know, all the PPE is knowing how to properly take it on, take it off. Um, if you're using something that's reusable, how to disinfect it in between uses, you know, taking gloves. There's a, there's a million videos on YouTube about how to properly take gloves off so that you're not recontaminating your hands. So I think a refresher on that for your agency and your officers is probably not a bad idea. I know one kind of along those same lines, one of the big questions that a lot of officers have is what do I do if I need to go retrieve animals out of a house where a known COVID-19 um, infected person or persons, you know, are? What, what kind of extra safety precautions do I need to take for myself and then in handling those animals? I think that is probably one of the biggest questions that most ACE animal control officers have had. Yeah, and, and this one, we'll try not to open too many cans of worms on <laughs> this one, uh, but we uh, that is a, a great conversation to have because we're trying to solve that on a great many levels. Um, almost two weeks ago now, we put out a how do you handle animals coming from a COVID house on the Animal Shelter Toolkit. It's written by Brett Huff and Dr. Charlotte Robinson, and uh, I approved it through Co3 and ASAR uh, because it required you you gown up, you, you get your Tyvex on, and you put your N95s on and really do a full decon procedure on it. Because at that point in time, we had very little evidence and very little testing going on on, number one, can the animal carry it? Number two, can it be a fomite and just have it on the outside coat? Uh, and what protection do we need to to keep that officer safe in that environment, especially person to person, uh, where you know the virus is in there? So again uh, two weeks later what we do know is the evidence uh, from previous testing and previous quarantines in Hong Kong is that there is no direct evidence right now saying that animals can carry that virus inside and interpret and transmit it. Uh, we know that that one animal had a false positive but you think about over 100 countries are dealing with this now and we're not hearing about any animal issues right, right. as far as spreading it. So we're, we're kind of saying we've got a good handle on that. Now, you will never find a study or a scientist or a researcher right now give you a definitive hard answer of they'll never be able to get it because we th see things change all the time, which is why you still see the whole in, in an episode one, I said, stop kissing your pets. Um, it's still <laughs> out there. Uh, two weeks later is uh, CDC saying, you know, is in an abundance of caution, please stop having face-to-face -face contact with your pets just in case. Now, again, they will also say there's no evidence that they're gonna transmit it to you, um, but just as an abundance of caution, don't lick your pets and don't lick your pets <laughs> like you. Um, now, the other piece of that is, can it be a fomite on the fur? Can the virus exist on the fur? And the, I'm gonna give you guys the real life answer is, we still don't know because right. there hasn't been a, a lot of testing. Uh, there is uh, some evidence that says, yes, it can stay out on the fur, but we don't know an exact time. We do know that that can be washed away if, if done properly with bathing and, and soap and water. 
uh, and then that animal can go into a sheltering environment, but how to keep yourself safe from the house to the truck and then the truck into the bathing environment is what we're looking at. And I, and I think we can go with your basic PPE. You know, you don't have to go full Tyvex if you don't want to. Um, but if you've got a, an apron or a gown that goes over that you can grab from your shelter, if you have extra, may not hurt just to give you that extra layer of protection against your clothing so you don't have to worry about so much of what's on your clothing. Uh, but definitely put a mask on if you've got it um, and, you know, watch your lift. You know, we all know how to safely lift and we want to control that head so we don't have a bite. Um, it may be something where where you have to be creative with a ramp if you've got ramps or the other option is if there's somebody in the household that can take the dog and put it in the truck for you and minimize that first contact you can have an owner or a family member put the dog in in your van or truck or whatnot uh, the other option is to take a crate in to the house and have the animal loaded into the crate and then do a two person out in uh, uh, to your truck in the crate and that way you don't have direct contact with that animal and um, you can kind of do a hands-off version then because you can take that animal out on leash then for the bathing process or take it out on a control pole for the bathing process and you never pick it up. Um, it's in the crate. So think about the hands-off opportunities. Uh, but, you know, ultimately you're going to have to be creative for that until we have evidence of saying, you know, the virus can be a, uh, a fomite uh, on the fur or, or the, the pet can be a fomite with the virus on the fur. Um, you, again, abundance of caution with a splash of common sense. You know, if you just have to go grab a dog and pick it up, um, make sure that, that you do your best to disinfect what you can. If you've got wipes, wipe down your, your clothes or your jacket real quick. Um, just like if you've got mud or dirt on you, don't freak out. We do know that the virus can last on cardboard for a certain amount of time. And they're looking right now how long it can, it can uh, last on clothing. Uh, but if you can do a hands-off approach and get those animals moved around, uh, that's, your, that's your best option. Use your equipment. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think I did have one question from someone about, you know, just in general strays, you know, do we need to worry about COVID-19 from, you know, picking up animals and picking up strays? And, you know, I wouldn't want to see animal control officers stop picking up strays, you know, just for that, for that reason alone, because, you know, we, we contact animals all the time who have other things that we maybe need to be worried about even more than COVID-19. You know, there's, there's a lot of things animals can carry that we just need to take general, the same precautions that we would take against this virus would be the same precautions for a multitude of things. So just keeping up on your PPE and your hygiene and your, you know, cleanliness for picking up animals, I think is a general good, good, good general rule for all of this. <laughs> Agreed a hundred percent. You know, we deal in a, uh, every day in a zoonotic environment. I mean, there's so many things we can catch from animals and nobody appreciates right. that until we get into something <laughs> like this, which funny enough, you know, isn't very zoonotic for us right now compared to the other things we could still right. get into. Uh, and uh, so absolutely you're, you're a hundred percent right. And we are still expecting, and we'll have another, special edition when it comes out, we're expecting the updated emergency animal shelter document to talk about what it is to consider animals going into emergency animal shelter uh, for, uh, you know, I'll call it a long-term, however long the congregate sheltering needs to happen while the, an or while the animal's owner 
is in the hospital. And uh, once we get that document out, we'll have another special edition. We'll run through the highlights and, and read between the lines on that one ahead of time to hopefully, you know, let people know why those decisions were made. Because I know they've been working at it hard all week long. And the experts, uh, I will tell you, are not 100% happy on every form that's in there. But they, and the only reason they're not happy with it 100% is because they don't have all the definitive answers yet. And so they're doing their best practice work and doing their, their abundance of caution perspective. And they're going to roll it out for us to, to take a look at and put it into play. I know everybody is doing their best to stay, to stay safe out there for themselves or department and the public. I just want to reach out to everybody kind of in solidarity. We're all in this together. And if you have any questions regarding COVID-19 or ASAR in general, please reach out to us at info at asartraining.com. We are always on Facebook and Instagram, trying to keep up to date on things there. Let us know if you have any questions, um, other resources. There's lots of resources out there right now, and we can absolutely get you any information that we have available to us. We will get that to you. So please, if you have a question, don't hesitate to reach out. Thank you for listening today. Eric, you have any parting words? No, we'll have another episode out uh, probably within the next day or two on that sheltering piece because we won't wait till Monday. If it comes out on Friday, we'll get the episode done and out this weekend, uh, if at all possible. Uh, so just stay tuned. Also watch uh, the asrtrain.com website on the header. I'm updating links there daily uh, of the freshest material that, that we've got coming out. Uh, so pop in, check the header, and then uh, you'll be able to check links there. Otherwise, we're going to stay on this as, as long as we need to. And as long as you have questions, we're going to keep working on it. All right, everybody be safe out there.